Welcome everybody to a Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Day Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris alongside Mark Vandermeer, and we're coming fresh off a jam-packed weekend of non-Texans football news. Our buddy <laughs> Sean Texans. Pendergast got married, and Mark was emceeing their entrance. My daughter was in Dallas. Uh, her movie, uh, Ribbons, was winning awards. It Whoa. was a great, great weekend, so... Uh, but it's good to be back to football. Oh, and by the way, there was that thing called the Combine up in Indianapolis that went. And we'll talk about the Combine because we got a couple of guys that we caught up with at the Combine that we'll have on the show. John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. He was fun. I think it was the first time, Mark, that we've had John on with both of us. Yep. That was fun. It was a fun conversation and maybe even more fun. Mike Renner. You know the name Mike Renner. PFF lead draft analyst is going to join DP and myself to talk about not only the draft, but the bachelor. He was on the bachelorette about two, three years ago. And he was on with Clay Harbor. If you remember Clay Harbor played with the Jags. Yeah. Tight end. Yeah. Uh, So they were on the show together. Neither one of them won. I can't believe I just found out about Clay Harbor. Yeah. I mean, I've said his name. We broke that news to you. We told you that when yes, we were did. in Indianapolis. Breaking yeah. news. Two Breaking years news. ago. Yeah, Clay Harbor mm-hmm. was on. And that was pretty much the end of his football career. Because during the Bachelorette, he ends up breaking his wrist. What, <laughs> they during play, the show? They, they got them together to play a game of football. And we'll talk with Mike about this. They played a game of football with guys that had no business playing football. Not all of them. Mike had never played football. He's a pretty good athlete, though. And, of course, there's Clay, NFL player. So, he comes down on his wrist when he's running the ball. Somebody tackling, and he messed up his wrist. He had to leave the show. That is awful. And never, I think at that point, never went back to the NFL. That is beyond awful for an NFL player. But he did go to Bachelor in Paradise, so there's that. Well, there's, you know, I don't watch those shows much. To me, I know this you're is missing not missing out. You're missing. I know I'm missing out, Johnny. I gotta check it out. out. I gotta check it out. You I do mean, have to check it out. Look, I, I, I catch glimpses, and I'm like, I don't know if I can get into this. Okay. I don't know. You like, everybody's like, oh, it's a reality show. It's a reality show. No, 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 no. What it is, mm-hmm. you watch it properly, it's comedy. Oh. It's comedy. Some you, unintentional. Yes. That's that's okay. the way you've got to watch it. All right. I it's like comedy. That. Because if you think about shows that you like, one of our favorite shows, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, some of the funniest moments in TV happen in those shows. Well, because unintentionally any, funny. Yeah, but any kind of comic relief in Breaking yes. Bad is really funny because right. it's so dark. Right. When he throws the pizza up on the roof, mm-hmm. I'm not breaking any news with that, am I? I'm not. Those are no spoilers. No, it's I can't, fine. that's it's fine. fine. I'm not breaking anything about Barry yeah. Call Saul. I've caught up on the first two episodes. I did that when we were in India yeah. late night. There's one, another one tonight, right? I know. We're back. We're we're back on track. See, on Monday they night. had Sunday and Monday last week. I wasn't sure what night the show was actually on. So last night I settled in. I was like, "Ooh, did it record? No, it's tonight. It's Monday night." <sighs> the mint chocolate chip uh, ice cream cone on the sidewalk. Oh boy! I'm not going to go any further with that. Yep. I'm not going to go any further with that. Mark, all right, you ready for some gut reaction? I'm ready. You, I, I, I love this. Okay. So, Come, the first two are actually coming from Jacksonville, but I'm doing separately. Okay. Okay. Jaguars edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe mm, mm. tweets out on Monday, thank you to Jacksonville, but essentially, see ya. Yeah. Thank you. A no, thank you. A few minutes later, Adam Schefter tweets out, the Jaguars plan to franchise Yannick Ngakwe. What do you make of that situation? Your gut reaction to Yannick Ngakwe tweeting, he's out, 
mm-hmm. but the Jaguars franchising their edge rusher. Well, Ngakwe knew they were going to franchise him, right. of course, and put that out there. So he's saying, and look, the Jags are going to shop him anyway. It's a franchise and trade. Okay, we've seen this before, right. Right. and he wants to be in another city. Yes. He wants to play for another organization. And he tweeted out that he loves Duvall and loves you guys. I love you guys, the love fans, guys, yeah. right. uh, but I don't want to be here in Jacksonville. Right. So there's that. So you have Ramsey going last year in a trade. You have Ngakwe going this year. Who knows who else is going out of there? And it's kind of sad for them, Johnny, because, you know, we knew it was going to be hard enough with the free agent spree they went on prior to their AFC championship game run of 2017. We knew it was going to be hard enough yeah. uh, to hold on to those guys, to be able to have cap room, to do anything. But here they are with some of these, like, really important building blocks on their team yep. having gone and going as we speak and you know i i hate to say i feel sorry for another nfl franchise particularly in the in the division yes. but you know we know people who work with and around the jags you and i both and you especially having lived there it's it's sad for them yep, that they're going is. through this right now it so is. uh you know in Gawkway, i know we have uh, varying opinions on him and what kind of locker room guy he might be or right. might not be or whatever uh, but look, he playing all out is going to make a team very happy. I'm I'm curious to see what that deal is going to be from another team for his services. How old do you think he is? What is he like? Twenty eight. He's twenty four. He's that young. He's twenty. I thought you were going to go. He's older than you think because in college he's <laughs> no. one of these guys like no. Joe Burrow is thirty seven years old. No. Chris Wenke was forty two by the time he hit the National Football League. Oh uh, no! Okay. I no. He's twenty four. Wow. 24. Well, Moby Akoy called and said, that sounds young. It, <laughs> that's pretty, I remember Moby was 19 when he was drafted. Yeah. Entering his fourth season with the Texans, he was still younger than some of the rookies. Okay. Ready for next gut reaction. I'm ready. It also, well, it has to do with the team we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But potentially, I've seen uh, some rumors about another. Part of the domino game. The Jaguars have put it out there that they would like to trade Nick Foles. Yep. Your gut reaction to that? Uh, not a surprise. Right. They want to move on from this. I think they saw, they didn't see much of Foles, but they saw a bunch of Minshew. And I think that we talked about this. If they drafted a guy and had Minshew there, and I, by, say, by saying draft a guy, I don't mean particularly early yes. necessarily, but get somebody else in there who could possibly play. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity here. You know, even an A.J. McCarron type of player, right, right. who could possibly play. It would be a great opportunity for somebody who felt like, you know, Mariota, I don't know about him. I don't, I don't know if that works. But the type of look, Ryan Tannehill, the type of player who's looking for a shot to play, maybe who hasn't played as much as Tannehill or Mariota, but somebody, you get my drift yeah. here. Uh, I think a McCarron type of uh, resume would be pretty interesting for the Jaguars because then they could have those two guys compete or give the job to Minshew, and if it doesn't work out, you give it to the other guy. As far as Foles goes, maybe the Jags pick up some of the deal, you know, on his way out. Because I I don't know if you get anybody to pick up that entire deal. Nobody's going to trade for Foles as their starter at this point after what happened in Jacksonville. They know that, and you've always pointed this out, that in Philly he had a really good team around him, played well, give him credit, won the Super Bowl, really good team, that playoff run, and we were – a victim of Nick Foles in 2018, uh, late in the season. 
So I think that the Jags do trade him. They pick up some of the deal. Somebody's going to take a shot at Foles as maybe a backup or maybe in their situation, in their stable. We're going to have Foles here to possibly compete or be the second guy and fill in, be a Ryan Tannehill type if yep. somebody should falter. I like that. Guy I don't know. Where, you know, I don't know if the Chargers would be that kind of team. I doubt it. But that sort of situation where it appears they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor, but they're going to need another option as well. So here's the second part of that. Ooh, what's the second part of that? That now Tom Brady's I'm going not... to Jacksonville. No. Oh wow. No, wow, not. you're good. Because we're gonna mention him in a second. But I have I've I've seen once that news came out, I saw. Of course, this comes up with pretty much every quarterback situation. Nick Foles being traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Your gut reaction? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> my my gut reaction to that was. There's no bleeping way. No way. You know, first of all, you're not going to trade within a division. He'd play better there than Jacksonville's a better team around him. Offensive line, yeah. running game, those ethics and whatever else they'd put together around him. But it's not going to happen. They're no. going to make it. They're, they're not judging by the amount of cap space they just had available. And I don't know what they're going to end up with after this free agent season here. But they're not going to make a deal for Foles and eat up no. money no. for a risk like that. No way. Which leads me to this. Mm -hmm. Apparently, allegedly, which I'm not surprised by, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. the Indianapolis Colts are out of the Brady sweepstakes on Tom Brady. Your gut reaction? Good. Although part of me wanted to see it just for like <laughs> what happens purposes. I wanted to see what it looked like in the jersey. You know, I've had that's the one thing I've been trying to do no, is visualize. Like close my eyes and visualize Tom Brady in a different uniform like mm -hmm. i close my eyes right now and i'm trying to envision tom brady as a cincinnati bengal and no. it's just like i can't formulate the picture 49ers you saw that story I, yeah I've, I've yeah i've seen yeah i've seen I, that that one sounds my gut reaction to that is no no way there's no chance there's no way i i don't see that happening at all i that one makes way less sense to me than the colts the colts would make yeah. far more sense to me yeah you already is everybody going to just kill Garoppolo because he missed a pass? I mean, yeah. it's funny. Like, he missed a big throw in the Super Bowl with 100 seconds to go. I'm thinking, all right, yeah, they didn't connect on that play. Right. Is that a reason to end Garoppolo's career with a franchise? Right. You just when you've went committed to the money Super to him. Bowl. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, look, I, it's funny because, like, going into last season, oh, uh, Garoppolo was hurt. That's the reason why they didn't have a good season in 18. It's going to be totally different, and it was totally different. I'm not saying he lit it up, but he played pretty well, pretty solid. So, I, you know, I don't know what to make of that. All right, but no Brady and Indy, according to this report. Rivers, I guess. What does Rivers look like in a Colts uniform in your, in your I've visualization? I've seen that one in my vision. You have. That, yeah. one's, that one's very clear in my that vision. One, that one sounds right, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it so. does. And I, and I, I just think there's way, I, you know, Chris Ballard, GM in Indy, he is he's the person. I mean, they've got a pretty clear delineation of how it's done there. I mean, right. Now, Chris is not going to do anything that Frank doesn't want him to do. I got a feeling Frank's going to walk in and go, look, we can win this thing with him. I, now, whether, whether that's I'm just that's I would think their belief. Nick Sirianni, offense coordinator in Indianapolis, was either the was either the uh, quarterback's coach or was on the staff of the Chargers when Frank was out with the Chargers. Frank was quarterback's coach. He knows him. I, I could I could see that that one I could visualize and I could see that happening. Brady to the Niners, no. Brady to the Colts never made sense to me, never. No. Rivers Rivers doesn't really until you 
realize, you know what? He's going to have a lot of pieces. The, the, the movement into that offense is going to be, uh, I mean, the transition into that offense is going to be a lot easier, I think, for him than any, anywhere else, first of all. And secondly, I think it would not be seamless, but I think it would be pretty darn close. I, the Brady story is so fascinating because of 43 years old in August, yeah. because of he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, there's just so many reasons. We talked to Greg Cosell last week about evaluating Brady at this stage of yeah. his life. And I brought that up with Greg, and I thought about it over the weekend, uh, his reaction. And and I, I think it was on uh, Golik and Wingo. They said, how many situations would you not take Tom Brady over? You know, like here in Houston with Deshaun, Seattle with Russell, Kansas yeah. City, obviously. But I think there are a lot more than that. Like 49ers don't make any sense no. taking Brady from the standpoint of, yeah, Tom could put him over the top, but you're gonna be you're gonna be in quarterback hell in the next mm-hmm. year or two. Because if right. Tom gets hurt or gets old, well, he's getting older, but if he gets old, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. then you're out a young quarterback that was growing and maturing, was playing his first year, his first full year of football. Right. In the NFL. First full year. And he got him the Super Bowl and he missed one throw and everybody's panicked. Well, there's so many Relax. teams that aren't going to win right away anyway, even right. with Brady at this age, and they can't protect them. So right. they're looking at it like, look, we're re- rebuilding anyway. So let's start with a quarterback who's young, who we have a future with, as opposed to Brady. It's got to be a win-now team. Okay. Let me get to this final one. Okay. Having to do with, well, a former quarterback. Mm-hmm. Tony Romo stays oh, yeah. with CBS for 17 Yeah. Million dollars. Okay, year. I don't remember what the numbers were when Summerall and Madden went to Fox, right? Because yeah. CBS, they were with them forever. Right. When CBS had the NFC, right. then Fox got it. They right. go over to Fox. Those were big numbers at the time. This is, you know, we all have those moments that we remember. I remember when Jim Rice for the Boston Red Sox made over a million dollars. Wait, maybe it was three or something. Wade Boggs was making a million Mike plus. Mike Schmidt, I remember yeah, that. And, yeah. and those numbers at the time, Magic Johnson signed a $20 million deal with the Lakers, which I think at the time was dubbed a lifetime contract. Yeah, it was like a 20 it was 25 million for 25 years. Okay, so like that. that that was so incredible at the time. Yep. And so you remember those times in your life as a sports fan, observer, aficionado where it, it reached just another level another landmark and this is one of those moments in announcing 17 million for a color commentator and i heard some of the talk show topics over the weekend like would an announcer make you want to watch a game i think romo had that going the first year or two yeah. but uh i don't know if that continues but they just want a high quality guy in there doing his broadcast and uh i think they feel like this is really a difference maker for them. I think he does make Nance even more energetic and excited, and it's a good team. And, and Romo is an interesting listen, but i got to be honest with you, and I'm in the business. There's no announcer on TV that I'm thinking, i got to tune in to hear right. this guy. Maybe for the first time you want to hear what he's like. Uh, they can certainly – and I'll position it like this. The reason why they do this is the experience He's creating an experience for the listener, and that's there's a perception that the audience will hang in there more. And you want to get as little criticism as possible. You want to get people excited, and maybe Romo does that. I think with Madden and Summerall, mm-hmm. whenever I watched that particular game, I felt like this is the biggest game in the league today. Right. It, right. The biggest game. Right. You feel that way. And I, and I felt that. Nance and Romo, I, I like to listen to them. But, you, you know, Joe... That? Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, 
It feels like a bigger game. I get I get the sense with that. Yeah. And when Al and Chris are calling the well, game, you, it's even bigger. You know that is because it's Sunday night. Because it's Sunday but, night. But that's a credit to Buck and Aikman that you say that because they do have such command at the mic. Aikman is very good. Yes. And I'm just talking about presentation here. I think Collinsworth is very good as well. I think Romo is good too, but I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I still don't even look at Nance as a football guy. But he does a really good job. Yeah, I mean, he does. look, all these guys are really good. Yeah. Um, I'm still not there with Monday night, but I think they are not either. So we'll see right. where they go with that. Well, yeah, you know, it was a bidding war. That's what drove the price up to 17 million. And, and I, that's exactly the point. There were suitors, mm-hmm. suitors plural. There's yeah. not. I mean, it's supply and demand. Yeah. There's no, there's no demand. Well, right. you know, there was leverage here for right. Tony. There absolutely was. Now I'm curious to see what happens with Peyton Manning. Yep. We'll get to that point at some point. Mark, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, and I'm an unabashed fan of the Bachelor slash Bachelorette series, as I mentioned with Mark. Now, D.B. Sidhu is always a fan of the Bachelorette. She is my confidant, my go-to. We're always talking about the series, and we have a few people upstairs that also like the series as well. So when you merge football and the Bachelorette or Bachelor, you've got a match made in heaven, and that was Indianapolis as DP and I caught up with PFF Mike. Mike Renner, lead draft analyst for PFF. And, of course, DP had to explain why I was brought along for this interview. Because he's kind of not a fan of PFF. Can I say that, Johnny? Nah, you can, no, listen. Before I started I, here's, to beef here Here's what I said. I, I want Mike to, to understand. I'm a former coach, like old school coach. So I'm, I'm a film guy. And the the analytics part of it has been something that I've kind of taken over the you know over the years. But the one thing that I know as a coach is like you the stereotypical thing you hear about PFF is what oh the grade is this and coaches will always say well how do they know what play was called how do they know what scheme was called how and I know that they have answers to that and I know they look at that stuff and I know how much that that goes into it. But I know there's still a factor that they don't know that part of it and that. Um, you know, what the adjustment was supposed to be for that particular week. And for us in particular, the Texans, those things change from week to week to week what the responsibility is. So you might see it four different weeks and it might mm-hmm. have four different responsibilities. And they've got to try and quantify that. And it doesn't make what they do wrong at all. I think it's a huge help. I know I use it because I need to know, like, who are we playing this year? Playing NFC North? Well, I didn't watch NFC North much last year. So i got to try and figure out. And that is always a good starting point for me. So – I don't hate PFF. I understand. I didn't say hate. Thank you. Not a huge fan. And I hope you understand where I'm coming from. I was going to say, my work, what I do with the draft, is a lot of just I use the grades as a starting point in terms of, like, what he did. He was The grades are more what he did production-wise on the football right. field. Did he produce? Right. And then, so a guy, did he produce well on the football field? Uh, now, does he have the requisite athleticism traits, that right. sort of thing? Exactly. That you think it's going to continue to happen? Yeah. Or was it fluky production? Was it something that, hey, you know, maybe he – you know, forced a lot of fumbles that were lucky or recovered a bunch of fumbles or did something that was you don't think is going to happen again. Right. Or it doesn't think – and so, like, that's kind of my job is to interpret that grade and then project for it. See? Right. That's so we, that's it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to get to all this. I'm going to get to the 2020 draft prospects, who he thinks the Texans should be looking at, some guys to be looking at in the NFL draft. Johnny has his guys, but first and foremost, Mike, I know you not just from PFF, and Johnny also knows you yes. from The Bachelor. You were on a few seasons ago. Bachelorette. With Bachelorette. Bachelorette, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, with Beck, I just called The Bachelor because it's The Bachelor franchise. The Bachelor franchise. Uh, and, and, Mike, you made it really far because we were uh, watching you. We, you made it further than I thought. Okay. I, you, you didn't, oh, uh, you you didn't, didn't talk you much. 
Jay coming in? Oh, I, okay, you didn't talk okay. much, so I was like, how is he still making it through? They're just not editing in yeah. his, his talking. So I, I've got to ask you about that whole experience, uh, what that was like. Did Becca know that you were a PFF lead draft analyst, and did this mean anything She to her? wasn't super into football, and so I think that might have been a big reason why it didn't end up working out. Uh, but oh, so if she <laughs> did, she might be but more But I did get two roses, so yeah. Uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience. It was oddly stressful just to be like on camera i mean like you feel like so it was almost like worse that i had been on camera before for my job at pff and like knew that because then you when your camera's around you kind of like put on that oh i'm on camera instead of just being able to act natural and i think that was the the weirdest thing about so you never experience. forgot that the cameras exactly. were there yeah it was difficult to forget that that you were being watched was there was there beef in the house because there's always oh, beef with man. girls but how is it with guys <laughs> it was uh, it wasn't necessarily beef i don't think it was more like that quiet, like behind the scenes, like everyone's like, I hate that guy. Everyone like just dislikes, <laughs> this. but like everyone dislikes like the same like three weirdos in the house. They're just like. Just were were the other right guys there. impressed by the fact that you worked for PFF? Did you have football fans so there in the were, house? There was a uh, Clay Harbor who had played in the yes. NFL. Yes, Eagle, that's right. I want to get to something about and that. Colton, who had Colton uh, who season, had yeah, been in the NFL, not played in the NFL, but yeah. So they were uh, they were in my season, and they we talked about it. Clay was very skeptical of the grades. I think I won him over. Oh, yeah. He was similar. <laughs> coming from, you know, uh, in terms of like how he felt, he's like, "How do you know my responsibility?" I'm like, "Well, you know, like we, we <laughs> can just grade you based on what like you did, like and if uh, and like knowing scheme, like it's not diff- football." kind of the most overrated sort of overhyped thing is that it's a super complex thing but it's like guys the, the players themselves have a very simplistic role in every single play like it's they have to be able to play fast and so their role is easy and so you can usually if you know football you can deduce what's going on for most plays so during your season and i'm glad you brought up clay mm-hmm. you guys played an actual football game. yeah we did clay got hurt and then he got injured <laughs> he gets he got injured. injured but i remember you playing in that game what yeah. was that like it was awesome, actually. So I had never even played football because I went to a tiny, tiny high school, middle of uh, central Illinois, and had played basketball, baseball, but we didn't even, didn't even have football. And so I'd never played, and I think that's a big reason why I loved it because I was a Packers fan growing up and obviously not getting to play. It's almost like made you love it more because uh, you never got to, like, satisfy that uh, need or whatever. But uh, it was awesome putting on the pads, actually tackling, getting tackled. It was something I hadn't done actually since I played like in middle school, but that was the last time I played, so it was really fun. What position were you playing out there? It was it was like uh, we only had six on six, or maybe it was seven on oh. seven, and so it was kind of uh, well, the, the, rule, the rules were like uh, a little shaky in terms of how the game played out. But uh, yeah, I was a receiver. I caught a touchdown. I had a pick. My grade was my PFF. Grade. What would you P- PFF grade yourself? Mid eighties, maybe like eighty three. Solid. Is I, that I fair, I Johnny? Well. I don't know. I thought I I remember watching because when we found out that you were on the show, we were like, I remember thinking that's pretty damn cool, you know. <laughs> Somebody from PFF is on is on the show, and I thought at some point they would give you a little bit more camera time to expand upon that. What you know, what you I, did. I think you should have just stuff. taken your time with her. You should have interrupted more guys at the rose ceremony. Maybe. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, well, yeah. what are those rose ceremonies like? I mean, we talk about this all the time because we've heard they take forever. You know, sometimes when you they watch them, pump you full of alcohol. It oh seems yeah, like. you pump yourself full of alcohol. <laughs> Like, I've seen some of those rose ceremonies where it's like, it's light outside right now, and I know they started this thing at night. Yeah, it was. So, first day, they told me to get ready to get in the limo at 4 p.m. I get in the limo, or I get actually leave the hotel at, like, 6 p.m. That was, like, already long. Wait in, like, in the limo, waiting to actually get in to the, get to the house for, probably ended up getting out. So, you, like, you're in the limo with four of the guys, and you're just, you watch them go first. I was the last guy out of my limo, so I watched all of them go first, and you're like, just the stress is just building. And I was like, oh, God. Uh, and then by the time I actually got into the house, probably like 8, and then 
night happens, whatever. She gives out like first brush rose like 4 a.m. And then oh, she takes pictures. Oh. And then the rose ceremony, I think, wrapped up 8 a.m. What takes so long? Uh, that's what I wanted to know. But what are I, they I guess doing? Just like, uh, I mean, it's just like getting everything cameras prepped. And like every time there's like a guy that goes and like talks to her, they like set up new thing like set up a new shot and like it's not it's not just like you walk up and you're like hey becca let me steal you oh they gotta they gotta They're move like, their cameras the get the like lighting tell, right yeah, exactly. okay the guys like telling you hey here's how you walk up here's what to go do what do you what, do you th- what would you have done differently going through the experience oh uh, that's a good question um probably a lot of things uh like my limo <laughs> stolen more one-on-one broke. time oh man yeah i would have just <laughs> i think tried to be myself more it was just so tough to and like tried to actually like get time because i really just like kind of I wasn't like super interested. Like it's just a person you don't even know, and it's like, how do you can you be that interested that you want to get this time with her when you don't even know her? I just thought like you'd be given time and like be willing, like be able to, but no, you had to like actually. You did you not watch any other seasons before this? <laughs> I had. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I was, Mike. I know, I, I know. So did you have guys? <laughs> oh, in the, I know. Did you have guys in the house that did the whole after two dates? Like, I think I love her. Yeah. Like, actually said it. Like, they were uh, trying to just, just get camera time, actors. right? Oh, oh straight they were acting. actors. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, like, you could tell. You could tell when I got that some of these guys were just acting hard, being like, she's one of the most amazing person people I've ever met. <laughs> so now we know, Johnny, because oh, I was like, these guys don't know. <laughs> they don't know. These girls don't know. How do they I'm know? Like, yeah, well, it's been 20 minutes. You talked well, to her for 20 minutes. Well, yeah, I'm in love. Yeah. There's, a, there's a big spoiler site that's out there, and he's conne- I, I'm connected to him in, in, in a weird way. What – what did you guys on the show? Did you guys like read spoil? Like, how did you keep this thing under wraps? Like, what is your family? What could you tell so your family? They told like, you not to tell anyone but your family and work. And obviously, like you tell people, like you don't care, like you think that's a joke, and and it's it's somewhat it, like they tell you not to, and you sign a contract not to like disclose behind the scenes information yeah. for a lot of stuff. But yeah. and here we are. What about <laughs> Bachelor Bachelor um, in Paradise or the Bachelor franchise? Yeah. Would you go back and do any of that? Have they approached Probably you? Probably not at this point. It's like I a free just, vacation, though. And now be, you've it, learned it your lessons. Yeah, but it's a free vacation with a I side of crazy. Done it right afterwards. Yeah, they didn't, I didn't get asked that year, but now it's like too far. No, it's not. They it's bring like, back <laughs> pe- they bring back people that I'm like, and I've seen every yeah. season. And, like, don't even and I was like, I don't even know who this is, but whatever, they're entertaining. But it's like a free vacation with a side of crazy. I don't know that I could deal with that. I don't know I, that I could deal with that. Mike seems was very like, chill, just, though, here. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. like, when you're actually there, it wasn't fun to be there. It wasn't. Was, it wasn't, like, in, that super enjoyable. Like, it was in retro, It was great experience. Like, it's just, like, having had that was, like, very, uh, you know, like, fun to look back on. But, like, while you're there. What'd y'all do? To, exactly. There's nothing to do in the house. Like, so it was e- cold, actually, when I was there. It was, like, 50 degrees oh, in L.A. In L.A.? You're, like, in the Gore Hills north of L.A., so it was, like, a little cold and I don't know. Work-wise, can I ask you, because you don't have phones and you don't have computers, you don't uh-huh. have any TV, right, in the house. So were you worried that you're falling behind? or you're, what, what, what were the months like when you guys were yeah, filming? Yeah, so it was actually in free agency two years ago uh, when, like uh, – When you were filming. Was yeah, so it was mid-March. So was, did you, were you stressed so I was, I was like, this time of year pretty producers, much? I was asking producers. I was like, hey, who, uh, who signed Joss Sitton? I'm like, tell me that. Like, let me know. <laughs> All right, let's, let's dive into the real stuff here. Texas don't have – okay. That was, that was absolutely <laughs> – Well, we could keep going with that. If there's still people well, no, we want, at this point, okay. <laughs> still got guys. There are. I'll, I'll there ask are. you. 
do you get mad talking about it? Do you get no, mad that we're no, God, asking no, about no, it? God, no, it's no, a little no, too no, late no, no. for that question, well, no, Johnny. I know, but I mean, I, you know, because we could. Honestly, we could there's Seriously. so many questions. I know if I texted my daughter right now who's in class, she would, like, run out of class and, like, want to ask you questions. But I don't want to do that. Jesse, our social media manager, had to leave, and he yeah. said, can you just tell me how it goes with yeah. Mike? <laughs> yeah. Before, like, everybody's all in on the Bachelor thing. But I know we want to talk but about But I know a lot of people want to know, you know, Texas don't have a yes. first-round pick because yeah. they made trade for Lemmy Tunsil. So they're sitting, you know, in the middle of 50s. Got some needs. Mm-hmm. Corners, one of them. Pass rushers, one of them. As you sort of look at what their draft needs are and fits for them, what what do you think, Mike? I, I think they're in luck with cornerback class because there's one dude at the top, Jeffrey Okuda, Ohio State. He's going high, yeah. and he's everyone's pretty sold on him. I'm pretty sold on him. I think he's going to be a very good pro. After that, a lot of question marks. A lot of guys who are scheme specific or you know have a certain skill set, and they're all kind of in that probably on my board even 25 to 60 range, and Probably about, I think it's like eight guys on that on that in that range on my board. Which that means one of them's probably going to be on the board once the Texans are coming off. And uh, I think you saw it's similar to last year's class, uh, but then you have Jeffrey Akuda kind of involved. Last year's class, th- thirty-one was the first cornerback, and then you saw a ton go in the second round. So I think they will be in luck. Let me just give me a thumbnail on what you think how the fit would be for the Texans. Jeffrey Akuda's teammate, Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett. I think it's a really good fit in terms of he's played a ton of man coverage. Right? He's played a lot of. Uh, you know, NFL sort of coverage. Yeah. They're cover one, cover three team, the yep. big single high uh, scheme there at Ohio State. Great ball skills. I mean, he attacks the catch point as well as any cornerback in this class. And he's kind of NFL. He's old. He's he's already 23, going to yeah. be 24 as a rookie, which is for a draft prospect, it's super old. But, like, he's old but also productive. And the fact that he played so well this year with a cast on one yeah. hand the whole year, yeah, yeah. which, like, at the, especially at the college level where guys are so grabby and I can get so much play out of that to be as productive as he was and like be as stingy as he was with that cast. Like you like to see stuff like that. Jeff Gladney, T- TCU. I doubt he makes it to that far. I'm with you. He's going to run four. You want to keep those Texas Gladney. kids, don't you? <laughs> He's going to go no, four I love, three. I love Gladney. I watched him last summer and I, lo- I fell in love with him. I'm like, I love this yeah. guy. And, and guys, who guy. Go, guys who go four, three in the 40 at cornerback and then we're also like good at cornerback. With some not, length and ball skills. Exactly. Forget All it. of a sudden, they're, they're going high. Well, let's talk about pass rushers. Johnny mentioned right. pass rushers yeah, being so another Yeah, so let me hit you with some pass rushers. That yes. could, yeah. These guys are interesting because I say pass rusher, but they sort of do some different things. I'll hit you with two. Zach Bond in Wisconsin, Josh Uche in Michigan. Yeah. I, I love both those guys. I, I think both have – and at linebacker, the way that's going in the NFL today, you either have to be uh, able to blitz uh, – off-ball linebacker, you have to be either blitz uh, and be able to come downhill and on passing downs effect in that regard, or you have to be a freak in terms of what you can do, speed, sideline to sideline. Uh, uh, able to cover and go backwards, so that sort of thing. So those are two are definitely guys who have that ability to rush the passer. I mean, they beat college tackles at the highest level of you know out, guys outside of Chase Young. And, and you worry about guys at the 240 range, which Bond checked in at uh, like 240 at the Senior Bowl. I remember and Uchi mm-hmm. was like 241. Not a lot of not a lot of sort of track record for guys that small. You know, the Vic Beasles of the world. He's, we've seen how well that worked out for the Falcons. Not great. Uh, over the course of his rookie contract. So it's tough to rush the passer there. But if you're talking about kind of hybrid guys where it's like third down there, rush the passer, mm-hmm. do some things with them on stunts. If you have a plan for guys like that, I'm a big fan of drafting because yeah. they are uh, very talented in the way they rush the passer and just what they can do athletically. I don't know, Johnny. Is that something the Texans might be interested in? Well, yes. Yes and no. The, the problem is with those two guys is when you talk about their pass rushing traits, very similar to what we have already in Jacob Martin. Now, Jacob, I don't think, goes off the ball and can do those things, but we have guys off the ball that can do those yeah, things. Yes. So we have in probably 
a couple of guys, what those guys can provide. So, yeah, in the NFL, you're always looking for, especially on a 46-man 46, 46 roster, which might change to 48, whatever. But you always want speed off the edge, but we have that with Jacob Martin. Yeah. You know, so we kind of have that. But they're intriguing because they can play off the ball and play off the ball well. A guy that plays on the edge the majority of the time from Houston, from North Shore High School, went to LSU, did have the ACL in 18, Kalevon Chason from LSU. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? We are going to be lower on him at PFF compared to probably a lot of other people. And the, the athleticism, the way he moves, is everything he wants to get at the edge position. Like, he is a freak athlete for sure. But why was he not beating not freak athletes at the tackle position in college? Is kind of our concern with that. Like, he was so athletic, but just not consistently productive. And this, not, just beyond the sack total, just game to game, there wasn't a single game on tape where you can point to and be like, he dominated. That. Like, that's the one game where it's like, oh, man, that's what I'm going to bank on him being at the next level. And, yes, he'll beat tackles like Andrew Thomas. You know, he'll beat you know Jackson Carmen, who's a Clemson tackle, who's probably going to be a, a top prospect next year. Uh, he has reps against them where he whoops their butt. And, yeah. like, is, looks everything looks perfect. But it's just like, why haven't we seen more of that is my question mark with him. So he, But he's going to go He's going to go top 20. So when you're lo- when evaluating pass rushers, are you not just, say, looking at the numbers and the sack totals? You're looking at also the competition level at which oh, yeah. if someone racks 100%. up, like, 15 sacks, yeah. but it's in a division that's not as strong as, say, the SEC or the ACC. First thing I do. That grades you that grades you out differently? Exactly. First thing I do when looking or trying to watch prospect is look who they played and then find try to find the best guy that he could have possibly matched up with on that schedule mm-hmm. uh, and then watch that game first. Cause if, cause it, and that's kind of like the senior bowl and the big value in that and why people are like, oh, why are you rising this guy from one week of practice? It's like, well, he's playing someone that's going to also be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If you're kicking a guy's butt who's also going to be in the NFL, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, and if you don't look like you belong there that week against guys who are also going to be in the NFL, that's a bad thing. So I do think that there's a lot of weight to doing it against the best competition. Uh, and if you don't do it, if you don't face guys who are, you know, the best competition, if you're playing the Mountain West, playing, you just don't feel as comfortable about that projection. Yep. What about running backs? Because the Texans have two guys that are going to be free agents after this mm-hmm. year. But I was asking Bill O'Brien about this, about the different styles of running backs. Are there any running backs that really stand out to you, especially where the Texans are picking? Well, I think with Duke Johnson on the roster, I think you look for, you know, the Carlos Hyde sort of pairing with him. Not a guy, so like not a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, probably not a DeAndre Swift. The guys with like legit receiving ability who are going to get pushed up draft boards. Because of that, you're probably looking for more like a Jonathan Taylor, a guy who's not necessarily going to be using the pass game. But if you hand it off to him between the tackles, uh, you're going to get good production. So I think uh, probably not the value in round two of guys like J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jonathan Taylor in that range aren't going to be great. But maybe later on in the draft, so like I said, the cornerback class is probably where you want to go in round two with needs on that roster. But later on in the draft. You have guys like Michael P. Ryan out of Florida, A.J. Dillon uh, out of Boston College, who are more that give it to him between the tackles, and you'll feel comfortable about what their production is going to be there, kind of that pairing with Duke Johnson. That was a blast catching up lead draft analyst from PFF, Mike Renner, who, not surprisingly, uses PFF sort of the same way that I do. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it is a useful tool to help you analyze football, and that's what it does for me. So like I said, you get the NFC North this year. I don't really watch them. I will. But to have their grades as sort of a starting point, that's always a great thing to have. There's no question about it. And Mike was great. And he was great on The Bachelorette. And I'm playing you this because The Bachelor is on tonight. Yeah. There you go. So I saved this interview from Indy for that sole purpose. And beyond the fact that Mike is exceptional, we were able to talk about prospects. That could make a lot of sense for your Houston Texans. All right, coming up. The Texans' last win of the year came against the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about that with the voice of the Bills, John Murphy. 
next right here on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment. It's Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, and one of the guys that we love to run into, whether it's owners' meetings, the combine, the draft, wherever we go, John Murphy, the play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bills, is a salt-of-the-earth guy, one of the best you're going to find. And he was gracious enough to spend a few minutes with us, which was had to be tough considering how things went in January when we played them in the wild card round. In fact, we were a little nervous as to how John would react when we caught up with him in Indianapolis. It's good to see you, John. Good to see you, Mark. All it's right, great so, to be with you. Yes, and, uh, Last time I saw you was not so great. I know. It wasn't so <laughs> great for you. And I'm, I'm really uh, – I, I can't say I'm sorry, but, I, you know, I, you're a friend, and it, it had to be tough. And, look, we went through the same thing or a similar thing a week later. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we know how it feels. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of, rings kind of hollow. To be honest. Here's the thing. We should have seen that coming as, as the Bills group and as, as Bills fans should have seen that coming because they had trouble scoring points all season long. And it was yeah. no different against Houston. They just could not move the ball and get in the end zone. Uh, and it, it caught up with them finally. you know. And they won 10 games somehow by playing great defense and running the ball pretty well. And, but they got to the playoff game, and it wasn't enough against really some dynamic performers, offensive performers. John, what was the overall narrative when, when you guys got back in, in the days after that, that loss to us? What was kind of the narrative in Buffalo? What were the thoughts of the fans at that particular moment? Did they feel like, hey, man, we're really close? Or did they feel like, boy, that was one that just got away. What are we doing? What, kind of, what was the thought? A little bit of both. I yeah. mean, most fans felt like uh, that was really close, and I think most fans feel like they're building – something here and you could see it throughout the course of a season not necessarily that saturday afternoon but the feeling was we're building something here and like i said we i think most fans good fans knew that they were really challenged offensively the bills and couldn't get much done offensively and that's where the focus should lie and they also think like you know they're they're really close but there's some work to do too we had brandon bean on here yesterday the general manager and it's it's hit me over the last couple of weeks here and we did a segment on our show uh, who's got the biggest to-do list in the AFC East? Is it the Dolphins who had a rough year? Is it the Jets who struggled last year? Maybe it's the Patriots, they lose their quarterback. We settled on the Bills. To yeah. get from, to me, in my way of thinking, to get from 10 wins to 12 or 13, wherever you need to be to win a division and be a Super Bowl contender, that's a lot of work to do. They have a lot of pieces to add, I think. They have many, maybe not many, but they have important pieces to add. Yeah. Let me put it that way. John Murphy with us, voice of the Bills. Now, you mentioned the Patriots, and obviously that's the team. And they have, what, 13 playoff wins since Bill O'Brien became the Texans head coach in the last (laughs) six years. It's incredible what they've been able to do. You had two close games with them this year, and they're the team you're gunning for every year. But at at this point, they have to be saying, "Uh uh-oh, Buffalo's right there, right on our heels. And they do have a lot of issues going into 2020. Patriots, yeah, I believe they do. And they got to settle the quarterback issue first and foremost. And I mean, the, the records are amazing. Brady's like 28-3 and three against the Bills in his career. Um, you'd like to see an end to Jeez. that era. <laughs> yeah, You'd like to see an end to that era sometime. Mm-hmm. I think most Bills fans and close observers of the Bills look at it like, look, that's going to end sometime. Maybe it's this year, maybe not, but let's not worry about them. Let's just get our team better and challenge them. Right, but is that kind of the talk of the offseason in Buffalo? Is Brady going? Because sure. if Brady goes, you're the favorites to win the AFC well, East, at least on maybe. paper. Yeah, maybe. And sure, people are keeping an eye on that. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. You, you you get different opinions, you know. You ask some people and they say, oh, Brady's definitely going because he sold his house or whatever. Right. And then other people say, no, I think he'll be back. I heard a guy on your show, we're right next door to you here at the Combine, say that, right? Uh, was it you? Somebody was saying that the, uh, you know where Brady's going to play quarterback next year? The New England Patriots. And I thought, 
Oh, okay. Put that in that <laughs> column, I well, guess. Well, a lot of people believe he's back. Yeah. And some people say no. I mean, nobody knows for sure. Yeah. John, speaking of quarterbacks, what was the the overall consensus thought on Josh Allen and what he did? Because for a quarter and a half to two quarters against us, we're kind of talking about it during breaks of the game like, oh, boy, we're in trouble because yeah. number 17 can throw the football and do things to us. And then the second half, and I actually read it, one of the writers in Buffalo after the game, he, he referred to him as Wyoming Josh showed back up in the second half. <laughs> and I thought that was sort of apropos. What was sort of the thought of what Josh has done after two years? Yeah, I mean, I think most people are encouraged. And, and a couple of things about Josh, he's so competitive. And that's what people like, I think, most of all. He's very competitive, hyper-competitive, and wants to practice hard and win games. And sometimes that gets the best of him. I think yeah. that's what Wyoming Josh, he was referring to. Yeah. You know? And in the playoff game against the Texans, that crazy sideline <laughs> lateral. I mean, what, that was the kind of play he made at Wyoming. Yeah, and exactly. sometimes he made him, but you got to rein him in a little bit. And they did a good job reining him in. But it's funny, we come down here, I mentioned my partner, Steve Tasker, and among the many people we've talked to this year, probably – at least two or three have mentioned how Josh is – and it, you're, you know how it is. You're in your own bubble up in Orchard sure. Park. Oh, Josh is great. They're doing this. They're doing that. And you come here and people raise questions about Josh and where his career is going, and that's good to hear, I think. He does have a lot of work to do. You know, he's got to be more polished. He's got to make better decisions. That's number one. He's got a big, strong arm. He's very physical. He can do a lot of things. But he's got to polish it up a little bit, and there's time to do that. I think they're encouraged by what they've seen. John Murphy, voice of the Buffalo Bills with us. All right, Stadium, what can you tell us about that? Uh What's wrong with the stadium? <laughs> no, we, we, I love, love, we I love going love there. Yeah. We, I've told Sal this a million times. I love y'all stadium. Old, I, mean, I love it. You're Bill's right Mafia, on top of it. Yeah. the, really the cool. fans. I know it's you know it doesn't have the amenities maybe of right. the newer stadiums, but there's something about going into that place. There's a lot of history there, and we've all watched the games over the years. Yeah, I mean, our owners, uh, the Pagulas, have a study out, and I think it's finished now to determine whether fans want a brand new stadium downtown or if they mm-hmm. want to refurbish the one in Orchard Park. They have not said yet, you know, which way the, the people are going. Uh, I would not mind. In fact, I would enjoy if they just kind of redo the stadium in Orchard Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe com- make it a little smaller, add more uh, uh, private suites. The problem in Buffalo, again, to be honest, is there's not a ton of local uh, – franchises, uh, businesses that are right. based there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of branch offices, but not a lot of companies are based there. So you'd have trouble selling a lot of suites. They did it in 1998. Can they do it again? More expensive seats? I don't know. Can they sell seat licenses in Orchard Park? I don't know if they can. It's not a, a wealthy market. But, um, I mean, the, the franchise is solidly in place. And uh, I think the stadium, like you guys, I think are saying, it's a great place to watch a game. It's sort of old school now, right? It's sort of an, a throwback. Like, And people go there to watch the games. And this yeah. is not a knock on anybody else, but – uh, they don't care if the seat's broken. They'll stand anyway. Yeah. And they go there to watch the game. It's not about the uh, intermissions or the halftime entertainment or the, what goes on in timeouts. It's about the football game. John, I only have our playoff game to go off of. And you guys did come in 2018, and I didn't notice it as much. And I know the playoff game was, was big for the, the fans of Buffalo. But there were a ton of Bills Mafia in NRG Stadium on that playoff game. Are road games like that for Buffalo, no matter what, that Bills Mafia is traveling at, yeah. maybe not at that rate, but they travel significantly no matter what? I mean, I know you get New England and games you know closer that way, but are games like that on the road, or was that just special because it was the second playoff game since 99? You know, I think you're onto something there, and it really became a, a thing this year. They really started to travel well, and it started with an October 6th game in Nashville. They played the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. And that place was more than half full with Buffalo fans. Now, you wow. guys have been to Nashville. It's a fun yeah, place. 
place. Yeah. People were into it, but people really got into it, and there was a ton of Bills fans there. It extends to Miami. There's always a good Buffalo crowd in South Florida. Sure. But a couple of times, including at Houston, maybe four times in eight road games this year, there were a lot of Bills fans, and I think that's going to be – I mean, this year the Bills go to Las Vegas. They go to Los <laughs> Angeles. So I'm sure those will be full of Buffalo fans yeah. as well. All right, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Mark, to John Murphy, to Mike Renner, to DP Sitter, of course, to all of you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. And as always, go Texans.